Hi guys, my name's Jason and this is the UK Money Podcast. Thanks very much for tuning into the podcast today. Um, had a bit going on this week, haven't we? We've got some news coming out today. I'm recording this on Monday and apparently Boris is giving us a bit of a, a, uh, a lockdown plan. So light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully. Looks like it's going to be slowly, slowly, but um, heading in the right direction, I suppose. So um, that's obviously been going on. I've seen the download um, numbers for the podcast ticking up every week. So, you know, thank you so much to everybody who's listening um, to the podcast. I'm really, really do appreciate it. Starting to get quite a few emails coming through now. So I'm still going to continue to do my best to get in um, get in and answer all your questions um, on money, which if you've not listened to the podcast before, if this is your first episode, this is the UK Money Podcast. And on this podcast, I talk about, surprise, surprise, money. So I talk about investments, I talk about personal finance and what's happening in the news with personal finance, uh, things like pensions, um, budgeting, the stock market, basically anything to do with money um, and anything to do with helping you get ahead financially. Now, uh, I, I do I do always say this, but it is really important that you know I, I am a financial advisor and regulated um, here in the UK. Um, I provide financial advice to clients on, on a daily basis, but nothing in this podcast should be considered financial advice. Obviously, the financial planning process is one where I get to know my clients and then give them my advice on what I think they should do with them. Now, obviously, um, I can see there's a whole bunch of you that listen to this podcast every week, but I don't know you individually, and so I don't know your circumstances. So um, hopefully, this kind of gives you some broad um, information that you can be considering when you're looking to manage your own money. Now, if you have a question that you'd like to answer, uh, like me to, to answer on the podcast, uh, please do get in touch. All my contact information, as always, in the, is in the show notes. But broadly speaking, um, you can find me on um, pretty much any form of social media. Um, I'll be on there. You can also get in touch with me via email, which is jason at jasonmountford.com. And on YouTube as well. Should mention that. The UK Money Podcast over on YouTube. Starting to get a few more subscribers over there too, which is great. Um, the last thing on a kind of social media type thing I want to have a brief chat about is Clubhouse. So I'm starting to get my head around the Clubhouse app. Um, if you if you're on Clubhouse, drop me a line. Let me know. I would really like to. I think there's poten- a lot of potential there for a regular room, um, maybe a weekly room for for a, a lunch hour or something where I can answer questions that you have about money. You know, the email format is is obviously really good. Getting in touch with me via social media is good. But, you know, I think there's something to be said for kind of having a conversation in real time. Now, um, you know, I only want to do that if that's going to be worthwhile. So at the moment, I'm thinking maybe um, maybe like a midday on a Friday or a Thursday or something um, for an hour where we, you can drop in, I'll be there, you can ask me questions and we can kind of have a bit of a conversation on Clubhouse. If you're not aware of what Clubhouse is, it's kind of like a podcast, but um, you can ask questions. So I'll be there um, talking to talking to people who are in that room, um, and then I can I can allow you to come up and answer, ask questions, and then kind of everybody gets a little bit of something from that. So check it out if you're not on Club Clubhouse yet, and you'd like to be. I do have a few invites that I am happy to give out. So I don't have loads. I think I, I think I've got six. Um, so if you would like to join Clubhouse, you want to check out what it's all about. Let me know. More than happy to. Um, to hand out those those invites to listeners of the podcast. So let me know about Clubhouse. Um, today's episode is going to be a little bit different. So like I say, a, a huge part of um, what drives the content of this podcast is listener questions. And actually, um, 
this week, I've had two questions, one from Cameron and one from Ed, that both wanted to get some information about becoming a financial planner. Now, I think um, with the lockdown situation, there's been a lot of people on furlough. There's been a lot of focus on stock markets and, um, you know, cryptocurrency and just investing and, and, and um different forms of assets and things in general. And I think that's kind of piqued a lot of people's interest about the whole, um, you know, finance industry and the different roles within it. And I think people, there's a lot of people out there who are, who are getting quite a lot of value of, uh, out of learning about it and finding it quite interesting. So I've had the, those couple of guys have got in touch with me and they both asked, how do I become a financial planner or kind of what are the steps that you take? So, um, I'm going to talk about that today. I'm going to talk about the way in which you can become a financial planner and kind of the career path that I've taken. Um, I'll talk through a little bit of the different educational things you need to do as well. Um, and hopefully that will provide some value to some of you out there. Now, I, I understand that if you've got no interest in, the, in that, if you're just here for kind of the investment content and that the personal finance content might not be the episode for you, so I do apologize for that. Um, but given that I got two emails on this this week, I thought it was something that would definitely be worth having a bit of a chat about. So um, if that's not your bag, look, I apologize. I'll see you next week. But if that is of interest to you, then stick around um, and let's get into a bit of a conversation around how to become a financial planner in the UK. So financial planning is a fantastic industry. You get to, well, I get to spend my days talking to people about their lives, talking to them about their dreams, their hopes, what they want for the future, what they want their life to look like, and then helping them try to achieve that. Um, you know, the, the best part of my job is just chatting to people. You know, like every job, there's plenty of paperwork and there's bits and pieces that aren't great. But broadly speaking, the majority of my day is just spent chatting to people about their lives. And it's really rewarding and really interesting work. Now, obviously, there's a lot, um, a lot of extra um, stuff around that in terms of you know investment research and um, you know file quality, making sure your documentation is up to date and all that sort of stuff. But you know, it is a great industry, and it's also an industry that I think has a lot of growth potential in the future. You know, I think I don't have the statistic um, to hand here, but I think the average age of a financial planner in the UK um, is around 53, 54. Um, so obviously over time, it's, you know, the, a lot of these, a lot of financial planners that are in, in the industry now are going to be retiring and there's going to be a lot of potential um, for a lot of clients that will need new advisors coming on board. There's also the huge growth of pensions here in the UK. So I think um, I've seen... Uh, the um, order enrollment equivalent in Australia um, and how that's grown to regular people having really quite a lot of money invested in pensions that need, they need help with managing that. They need financial advice input. And I think over time, you know, order enrollment's quite new here in the UK, but I think we're going to see a similar thing. You know, I think we're going to get to a point where it will be regular, a regular couple who don't have massively high paying jobs, um, but uh, just have a nice steady career are going to have potentially hundreds of thousands of pounds in their pension funds. There's going to be a lot of um, potential to add value to those people as a financial planner. So if you are thinking of getting into the financial planning industry, like most professions, there's an educational component, like a formal educational component, and obviously there's an experience component as well. So first things first, I'm going to talk through the educational component because that is kind of a it, well, it's, it's, it's a prerequisite. So you can't actually um, get a financial planning role unless you have the minimum standards of education. Now, 
that education, um, the actual minimum standard is a level four diploma in regulated financial planning. Now, there are a number of different organizations that offer this. The most um, widely, what's the right word? The most common one, I suppose, is the easiest way to say is the Chartered Insurance Institute. Now, um, within that, there's the Personal Finance Society, which is actually the the kind of body that you become part of as as a financial planner. But broadly, the overarching industry industry body is the Chartered Insurance Institute. And there are other ones that do it as well. So the um, the CISI and the, the, which is the Chartered Institute of Security, Securities and Investments, I'm pretty sure. Um, And there's also the LIBF, which is the London Institute of Banking and Finance. And they all offer level four diplomas um, in regulated financial planning. The way that they approach them are are slightly different. So the the CII, the Chartered Insurance Institute, runs all of them via... um, it's a number... It's six different units, six different exams that are all multi-choice exams. Sorry, quick interjection there. Actually, it's five multi-choice exams. The last one, RO6, is a written exam. I know, silly little point, but just wanted to make sure I got the right information in there for you. I believe the London Institute of Banking Finance is uh, mainly assignment-based, and I'm actually not sure about the CISI, but I did mine through the CII, which is why that's, that's the most common route, and that's the one that I know best. So kind of regardless of, of which one you decide to go with, that level four diploma is the minimum you need to become a financial planner. So that should be your objective if you want to eventually get into that role. But as with a lot of things, you know, the um, if you're looking to get into a support role, um, which I'll get into in a little bit, but if you're willing to get it, even just your foot in the door of the industry, it's going to be a really good idea to start looking at those qualifications. A lot of employers will fund them once you actually um, once you actually start working for them. But if you can get one or two exams under your belt, if you've make a, made a start on that off your own bat, paid for it out of your own pocket, that's a really good look for for potential employers. So, in terms of the content that you learn in the in like I say, I can only really speak for the CII, but the content you learn is quite broad. You start off with a, a lot of information about kind of the regulatory framework, um, how a monetary policy is set in the UK. There's a lot of um, education around, um, you know, ethics of, of providing financial advice, the regulations around it. And of course, there's a lot of specific technical information about um, financial products and financial um financial data as well. So, the, you know, there's a lot of information, a lot of learning around investments, there's a lot of learning around the tax system, uh, the pension system, the um, insurance regime in the UK. And it kind of provides you with a good overview of the, the, I guess, financial framework under which financial planners operate. Now, I, I'm going to say that there, it's no cakewalk. So the CII exams are all multi-choice, but um, they are quite difficult. Um, and the pass rates aren't, you know, they're, they're reasonable, but they're not. it's not like everybody who takes the exams pass, passes all of them first time. So, you know, if you are looking to get into the industry, uh, you know, give yourself plenty of time to be able to get through those exams. Um, once you've completed the level four diploma, um, often you, you then kind of can move on to the level six diploma. And I think that's eventually going to become the kind of the minimum standard for being a financial planner in the industry. So um, that is essentially a big part of, of getting what's known as chartered status. And if you're a chartered financial planner, 
that doesn't make any difference really from a regulatory perspective. You know, you if you have your level four qualification, you can become a regulated financial planner. If you have then your level six and become chartered, that doesn't really make any difference other than increasing your stance, uh, your sorry, your your status within the industry. So often that means you can um, you can uh, probably allows you to apply for certain jobs that will probably pay you a bit more. Um, you know, there are certain clients for, for whom they might want only to deal with chartered financial planners. Um, personally, I've ne- not really come across that, but broadly speaking, in the industry, you will want to be working towards chartered status. So the qualifications are something that you can be doing in the background if you're at university already. Um, you know, you could start having a look at some of those qualifications. If you're in a different um, role, if you're looking to make a career change, you can start looking at those um, qualifications. For the CII, for example, they are completely self-study. So you have the exams that you need to take, um, but there's no kind of uh, limit as to how for the, for the level four diploma, there's no limit as to how quickly you can get them done. So you um, are provided with a, a, a text study textbook. There's a whole bunch of readings and things that you do outside of the textbook as well. And then you just take the exam when you're ready. So for me, I knocked mine out reasonably quickly. I got my exams, um, the initial level four exams done, um, of which there are six. I got them done in over 12 months. You know, there are people who uh, get them done over six months, um, but some people take a few years to get them done. It all depends on how much time you've got and how much you can uh, commit to, to getting that study done. You know, but I would say, you know, like I say, don't take it, don't take it lightly. They're, they are, they are difficult exams, um, and the the requirement for knowledge is is pretty high. So, you know, on the kind of expectation that you're you've started on that process and you're starting to to complete your exams, the next step is a kind of, I guess, kind of getting your foot in the industry. Now, there are essentially two main paths that you can take if you're wanting to get into the financial planning industry. Now, the first one and the one that I did and the one that I tend to recommend is starting out in a support role. So financial planners need a lot of office support. You know, they need people to help with completing application forms, taking client calls during the day for, you know, simple stuff like change of address or whatever, um, completing anti-money laundering um, ID requirements, sending out uh, policy statements, fund statements, all sorts of different stuff that advisors need help with. And often that can be a really good way to get your foot in the door and to start to learn about the industry and start to learn about what a financial planner actually does. And there are kind of different levels of that. The the kind of the most fundamental level is just like that. It's essentially an, an administration person who helps with the day-to-day admin. Once you start to get a bit more comfortable with financial advice and the kind of advice that the advisor is giving, the the process of the industry, often people will then move into what's known as a paraplanner role. And to move into that role, you're probably going to have to start having quite a few of your exams under your belt. You will have to have a reasonable level of knowledge. And the reason for that is because quite often a paraplanner, or really most times a paraplanner, is going to be responsible for writing reports for the financial planner, researching the existing products that maybe clients have, existing pension funds, existing ISAs. So you need to know what you're looking at. You know, you need to be able to call up an investment company, get a rundown of the um, client's pension fund and understand what you're looking at, understand maybe follow-up questions you need to ask. But by doing that, you start to get more involved in in that financial planning process. So, you know, for example, maybe you are, you're researching a pension fund for the advisor. So the advisor sat down with the client, 
the client has asked them to review. They've got three pension schemes. You as the power planner then do all the research on those existing pension schemes and see what thing where things are at. You know, what fees are being charged? Are there any um, guaranteed benefits on there? Um, what sort of access options are there in retirement? And then that becomes a collaborative collaborative approach between the power planner and the financial planner sitting down and saying, okay, where is the client at at the moment? This is how all of their current finances are structured. What are the key issues? What are the key problems? What could be improved upon? And a good power planner is worth their weight in gold because they work with the financial planner and they come to the financial planner with their thoughts that just helps uh, helps allow the financial planner to, to cut down on how much time they need to be reviewing um, all of the information. Because if they've got kind of a, a really great summary of where the client is at at the moment, that means they, they have all the information to hand to then provide their advice and give their thoughts on things. So, that's often the second area, a second kind of step in the industry if you've come in that way. And over time, it can be a great way to also get client-facing time. So you get time speaking with clients if they call up and they have questions about their investments, you know, at a certain level, if it's just general information and it's just kind of um, obviously not not drifting into advice, but if it's kind of quite straightforward stuff, a power planner, a good power planner will be able to have those conversations with clients, you know. Um, and, and over time, you'll get more comfortable with looking at files and thinking, you know, what kind of advice would I provide to this person if I was a financial planner? And then often, once you've had a couple of years as a power planning, you start to get really comfortable with what, what good advice looks like, um, what uh, what's involved in, in the research process, the kind of red flags to look out for. That's the time when you can start considering to try uh, move into your first financial planning role. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. This is difficult. You know, um, it is it is difficult to find that first financial planning role. And that is one of our key issues in the industry at the moment is that there's a huge going to be a huge need for new financial planners, but it is very hard for new financial planners to break in. With that said, you know, there are there are opportunities out there. You know, there are companies that look for um, look for people who are who are to come on as trainee financial planners. Um there are existing companies who look to uh, promote from within, so they pr- look to promote their their power planners into financial advice roles as their 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 business grows. So there are opportunities out there, but I think it's really important to note that you know it's it's not going to be um, simple and straightforward, and it is something that you need to be able to be prepared to put in the work and and try and make yourself stand out from your colleagues. Once you've moved into that financial planning role, you know, again, it's not often the case where you're going to get um, put into your first financial planning role and then you're looking after 100 million pounds right off the bat. You know, often, you know, the the way in which a financial planner will get their first clients will be there may be a senior financial planner within a firm who has got to the point where they have too many clients and then they may may look to to take some of the more lower value clients that they have and pass them over to a, a new financial planner. So quite often, when you first get into the industry as a financial planner, your client values will be lower. Um, but in my opinion, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, that allows you the time to get comfortable with some more sort of um, more fundamental financial advice. So you don't have to start getting into complex, you know, offshore bonds and trusts and things like that. You know, if you're seeing a couple that's got a, a couple of vices and a couple of pensions, you know, there's less pressure on needing to know some of that more complex stuff inside and out and enough to provide advice on it. So it can be that that's often a really good way to start getting your feet wet and start getting comfortable with being the one responsible 
for that financial advice. The second way in which you can get in the industry is through um, academy programs. So there's some, um, I'm not going to name them, but there's some really big uh, financial planning companies that offer academy programs where they take people who are graduates or who are career changers and um, train them up to be financial planners from the get-go. Now, I've not been through one of these programs, so I can't speak directly for them. Um, but essentially, they take you through a training process um, that will move you straight into a financial planning role. Now, in my opinion, um, from, from my perspective anyway, uh, I really valued the time that I was a paraplanner. You know, I think um, you get to the point where you're itching to sit in front of clients yourself. And I think there, there is um, it provides a, a, a significant basis of knowledge and a basis of um, experience that you can draw on when you're actually sitting in front of clients. I'd be concerned about um, sitting in front of clients um, without having without having a couple of years experience doing those support roles. But that that, that is an option. Um, and if you are, if that's kind of the one that appeals to you the most, then, you know, a simple Google of advisor, financial advisor academies, academy is normally the word they use. So financial advisor academies will come up with some options for you. Now, like I said, it is a fantastic industry to get into, and I, I definitely recommend financial planning as a career to um, to anyone, really. I think um, one thing I do just want to talk about as well is the regulatory burden that there is on financial planners. So I think when you, if you're quite into consuming personal finance, finance content, um, if you're if you enjoy uh, listening to people talk about shares and talk about investments and talk about pensions and things online. Um, I think it's really important to note that it's not that simple as a financial planner. And if you've listened to my um, my podcast in the past, if you've listened to the way I, I speak, I put a lot of caveats in what I say. You know, everything I talk about, I I say in a way that it's not what you should do, but it is an option of something that you can do. And the reason for that is because there is very, very stringent regulations on financial planners. And we have to be very careful about um, financial promotion or about um, anything that could be construed as financial advice. So there, there is that, um, I guess, that, that environment where you have to understand that the if you are a regulated financial planner, you can't just go out willy-nilly telling everybody that they should invest in X or or move their pension to Y. There is a, a very in-depth process that is involved in providing financial advice and the amount of justification and the amount of um, the amount of, of information you have have to have on your your files to to justify that advice, it's extensive, um, and it you know sometimes it can be it can be draining because a lot of the time you think you know there is nothing wrong with the financial advice that you're giving, but you just have to make sure that you have a huge amount of justification as to why you are providing that. And for me personally, it can be really frustrating when I see these people on TikTok or on YouTube. Um, recommending different shares or recommending cryptocurrency or whatever that have no qualifications. Um, they have no concerns about the FCA coming after them because if I did that, I'd be in deep trouble. So, you know, I think it's important just to go into the industry with your eyes wide open that it is very heavily regulated um, and that, yeah, there, there's a lot, a, lot of, um, a lot of stuff surrounding the industry that kind of comes with that. But with that said, I'm not going to finish on that note because the, the overall benefit of that 
is that um, you know that when you are providing financial advice and when the client has gone through that process from start to finish, you can have a really robust um, outcome for the client. You know, they're going to be really happy with where you've got them to. And you you can also feel really confident that you've got some really strong backup and really strong basis for that advice that you've provided. So in a nutshell, that is how you become a financial planner in the UK. You know, you've got that minimum level of education that you need in terms of the level four diploma in regulated financial planning. Level six diploma is also and moving to chartered status is, is, is fast going to become the, the minimum for the industry. And then it's just about getting that experience, you know, getting your foot in the door with a financial planning firm um, and starting to learn the ropes and starting to understand how the industry works from the inside. Um, I hope that's been valuable to you. I know, it, like I say, it, it's um, it's not the normal topic that I talk about here. If this is the first episode of the podcast that you've listened to, um, normally I talk about pensions and I talk about investing and things like that. But like I say, I had a couple of requests for this, this kind of content, so I thought it would be worth doing a quick episode on it. Now, again, that is a really, really short snapshot of the process. Obviously, in, in practical terms, there's a lot more that goes into it than that. There's a lot more I could talk about in terms of the industry and what's involved and the ins and outs of it. But I just wanted to give a really brief overview of the steps from getting from uh, an interest in personal finance through the, that education um, process, that experience process, to becoming a financial planner for the first time. But it is a really great industry. I do highly recommend it to anybody. If you have further questions about um, becoming a financial planner, then just yeah, get in touch with me. Like I say, all my contact information is in the show notes, um, or you can also email me. Um, at jason at jasonmountford.com uh, or you can get in touch on, with me on various social media. I'm most, most active on Twitter um, and on, on Instagram a little bit as well. Um, a quick reminder about Clubhouse. So like I say, if you would be interested in that drop-in drop in room on um, maybe a Thursday or a Friday, I'd like to get preferences on that. Um, then yeah, let me let me know about that. And if you'd like an invite to Clubhouse, then then just let me know as well. So um, next week I'll be getting back to kind of regu- regularly scheduled programming. Um, don't have a topic to hand yet. Not decide exactly what I'm talking about, but it will be a more traditional personal finance topic. Um, if you've stuck around to the end of this one, I really appreciate your time. Hope you have a great week, and I look forward to speaking to you next week. Hi guys, I just wanted to jump in really quickly to let you know about my free weekly newsletter, also called The Hedge. Every week I comb through all the social feeds and news websites to cut through the noise and bring you the latest news and ideas in investing, business, entrepreneurship and personal development. As with all content from The Hedge, the aim is to help you grow your wealth in a way that allows you to be your real, authentic self. If you'd like to sign up, you can find the link as well as the links to all our other content at thehedge.io.